Hey, welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars podcast. Today we're talking Mizzou athletics with Todd Palmer, the Kansas City Stars Missouri beat writer. We got Chris Fickett, our producer engineer at the controls, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Big news uh, out of Missouri on Wednesday, Todd, uh, the, the Tigers announced that uh, they were going to impose some sanctions on themselves uh, because of violations that occurred in the basketball program. I thought we'd start by let's review what, um, uh, what happened at Missouri what, uh, to, to lead to those sanctions. We'll define the, the sanctions and then maybe walk through the, the timeline of events. But let's start with, um, let's start with uh, the basic question uh, what happened, and wh- why is Missouri in trouble? Why did they, uh, wh- why did they basically penalize themselves, put themselves in the penalty box? Well, basically, they had uh, four players who took no-show internships, um, and, and the, the heart of the complaint is that uh, Missouri didn't properly vet those internships, um, and uh, you know, as a result, some of these kids got paid for work they didn't do, which is obviously an NCAA violation. Um, and once that was uncovered, Missouri had to self-report. There was also uh, a, a violation. Uh, you know, it was a booster who had provided these jobs, and they've had to disassociate with him. And then there was another violation where a booster had provided benefits not available to the public uh, in terms of reduced hotels and things like that. There were also a couple secondary violations. The most notable was uh, um, former associate head coach Tim Fuller, who was the only associate head coach uh, under Frank Hate's tenure, um, provided a phone number to assist Jakeen and Gant in moving from uh, Georgia to the Lake of the Ozarks, around the Lake of the Ozarks um, uh, at the end of his senior year of high school. Um, and, and that kind of assistance is, is not legal either. That, that's a secondary violation, though, but, but that was also uh, one of the infractions that was named in the report. Okay, so those were the sort of the, the, the violations. When, when did they occur? Well, they started in 2011 and then continued through the summer of 2014. So most of it occurred uh, back when Frank Haith was still the coach. Um, however, um, you know, Jakeen and Gant apparently hit, hit the internship also continued into the summer of 2014. Uh, which would have been after Kim Anderson had hired. Of course, the link between the two there uh, remained fuller because he remained on Kim Anderson's staff um, until last spring. Um, and he's the one who recruited Gant and obviously, uh, you know, um, had helped him, him get moved into Kansas City. So, uh, you know, that's the basic timeline. And Gant was suspended the first nine games of last season um, as a result of uh, an NCAA investigation into his eligibility uh, which we you know now know was was uh, directly tied to this. Okay, so we have the the, the major violation to me is uh, well the the as the, as identified by Missouri and the NCAA the the paid internships for yeah. work that wasn't service that wasn't provided um, and as you mentioned there were some secondary some secondary violations as well. Missouri did its, its self investigated and um, and and. Uh, Presented its findings to the NCAA and imposed sanctions on itself. We know one of them is the they have removed themselves from postseason play this year. Missouri won't participate in the SEC tournament, and they won't be in the NCAA tournament or NIT any postseason for Mizzou this year. What else did 
Uh, how else did Missouri penalize itself? Well, in, in addition to that, the, you know, they'll lose the revenue from those tournaments. Um, now, you know, the, the SEC splits that money between, you know, the conference and the member institutions. Missouri won't get its 115th share from either the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. So even though I know a lot of people laughed when they said, hey, we're announcing a one-year postseason ban because this doesn't profile as a team that's going to the postseason right now, um, they still lose out on the revenue. Um, so that's a, an expensive gambit on their part to go ahead and bite the bullet uh, on that. They've also announced scholarship reductions, one this year and one either of the next two years. Um, some recruiting limitations in terms of uh, number of contacts and number of visits that the coaching staff is permitted. Um, you know, those are the, those are the, the headlines. There, there was, I think, a $5,000 fine and, and some other things that, that Missouri is, is doing. Um, basically, they looked at um, case precedent with the NCAA for member institutions that have had issues similar to this. They consulted with uh, Mike Glazer as outside counsel uh, about what they think they needed to do proactively um, to satisfy the NCAA for these violations. And then they kind of tailored uh, their self-imposed sanctions to um, meet what they hope will satisfy the NCAA in this case. And it's possible because the NCAA investigation is still ongoing that the NCAA could come back and say, we need you to do X, Y, or Z, but those are going to be minor things. The NCAA is not going to come back and say, you need to have a second year postseason ban or you, and they're probably not going to come back and say, you need to reduce more scholarships. So the major stuff is out there. They also um, um, had to vacate the victories from Hates last season, which I saw some, also some fans were scoffing at that too, but that team did win 23, 23 games. Yeah. 23 and 14. Didn't make the... NCAA tournament. Right. That was a team I remember that, that uh, started off great. They were undefeated. Remember, you and I were at the SEC football title game in Atlanta watching Mizzou-Auburn. Uh, and that afternoon, we had lunch and watched uh, Missouri beat UCLA yeah. in basketball yeah. at Mizzou Arena to continue what was a great start for that Missouri team that had uh, Jabari Brown and Ernest Ross and Jordan Clarkson and uh, so, you know, it looked like a team that was heading to the NCAA. They went 9-9 nine and nine in SEC play. Yeah, they they and, stubbed their toe against Illinois in that bragging rights right. game and then kind of stumbled their way through conference play. So. But that, that's the team actually in question here. Yes. That's uh, because of the um, – uh, and, and Chris is right. They have to vacate their, their 23 victories. So, what's your – do you have a sense of uh, – what, what Missouri did was, was uh, penalize itself and presented the findings to the NCAA – and basically, uh, it would now be await uh, a word from NCAA whether it was, you know, enough. Is, is it enough? Do you have a sense of whether Missouri f- believes that they've penalized I, themselves on a, enough? I, I think they feel like they have. And look, they negotiated pretty hard with the NCAA um, to release the information that they did. I've been told that the NCAA wanted them to announce they were under investigation, announce the sanctions, but did not want them to detail um, any of the actual violations. And that's why it came out kind of in a redacted form where Missouri didn't name the players or the boosters. Those names are going to come out in the NCAA investigation. Um, and it's believed that the, the three players other than Jakeen and Gant that were involved were Jabari Brown, Jordan Clarkson, and Tony Criswell, who were all transfers um, under Haith. Um, you know, so um, I think Missouri feels like they, they've done what they need to. And, and the decision basically came down to this. By announcing now, they can go ahead and bite the bullet, take the postseason ban this year, take the scholarship reduction this year when they've already got a scholarship open. And so then they can go tell the, the future recruiting classes, 
uh, you know, look, hey, we're not going to face any more postseason bans. You know, we're, we're not going to have any more scholarship reductions aside from the one in one of the next two years. Um, so they can tell recruits, look, we're, we're okay. You don't have to worry. You're going to get to go to the postseason, which is something that, that Kim had already reached out to the parents of the players they signed in November. But that also helps recruiting moving forward that, that, that you know, kids that might be looking to sign won't, won't have to worry about whether they'll get to play in the postseason. And this is a typical, you know, we're in a typical situation here with NCAA and violations and that the, uh, the, the, the infractions occurred at a time and under a regime that's no longer there. So it's the, the current, you know, coach, the coaching staff and players and, and future recruits that are impacted by, by penalties. There are some, you know, obviously some current Mizzou Tigers that, uh, you know, the, 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 this team will not get to – you know, will not get to play in the postseason. I thought the the most poignant quote came from Ryan Rossberg, who was, you know, the senior the senior on this team has been through a lot uh, at Mizzou. Understatement. And what, what did Ryan Ryan said? Uh, he, he's he's hurt by this. Yeah, he he was very disappointed. You know, I mean, he you know he had family and friends that were planning to make the trip to the SEC tournament in Nashville to see presumably what would have been his last game or two of of his college career. You know, he's a guy that. Probably is not going to play professionally. Certainly, it's not going to be you know anywhere convenient for his family and friends to come see him um, if he does continue his career after this. Um, you know, he's a guy from St. Louis, and he's talked many times about uh, every Christmas his parents would get him tickets to the Bragging Rights game and his love for this program. Um, he's been a good soldier. He's he's never been a guy that complained. He's been at times a, a punching bag for um, some segments of the fan base. Um, but he's a guy that loves Missouri, and and he now knows that March 5th against Florida at Mizzou Arena, that's it for him. Like, you know, most kids at least can dream, you know, and they at least know that postseason carrots out there. If you somehow go on some miraculous run, maybe you can get one last chance to play in the NCAA tournament or something. That's gone. Ryan Rosberg has 15 games left, and, uh, you know, he's you know got to make the most of those 15 games because uh, he's – Unlike most kids, he's got a pretty hard deadline now for his high school for his college career. That's a good way of putting it. He he absolutely has a hard deadline. So, as we you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the uh, it's it's the current and future uh, members of the program that pay the price for the transgressions of the previous ones. And and uh, you know, you spent some time on the phone talking to Frank Haith's lawyer, and uh, and and as you would expect. You know the attorney uh, for you know for Frank Hayth uh, to say he uh, you know the the picture that's been painted is that of a you know just a, a corrupt program under Frank Hayth because this this did happen under his watch and look I, I think we all understand that uh, the the accountability it, 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 the the head coach is responsible for what happens in his program. And we, we can't help but be struck by the timing of Frank Hayth, Frank's departure. Four days. He was named the Tulsa head coach. Was it four days after? Yeah, Missouri received a verbal inquiry. Uh, apparently the NCAA was tipped off in December 2013 about um, these internships. Um, and then it was April 14th, 2014, when the NCAA um, contacted, gave verbal notice of inquiry that they were, in, they were doing this investigation. Right. And four days after that is when um, Frank left for Tulsa. Now, his lawyer said that he and the University of Tulsa were not aware of the investigation until February 2015. Um, I haven't had anybody dispute that, um, you know, in any tangible sense. Um, so, you know, you have to kind of take that at face value. 
Um, you know, and it's entirely possible that Frank was talking to Tulsa, you know, a, a week before he took the job, maybe even longer than that. So uh, it's very possible that it predates that. I mean, I think that the, the tough thing is you would imagine that when Mike Alden gets the verbal notice of inquiry on April 14th, that the NCAA is investigating uh, critical violations in his men's basketball program. I would think his first call would be to Frank Haith um, at that point. So, um, you know, but like I said, uh, his his representation is saying that it, they didn't know until February 2015, um, you know, and and look, Frank wasn't charged. The the NCAA enforcement arm, which is, is what investigates and what brings charges and then passes those along to the infractions committee, which ultimately decides what to do with it, um, reviewed the information, met with Frank Haith, and opted not to charge Frank Haith with any violations in this instance. And and right now, it's the infractions committee is looking at it, and that's why we're kind of in a holding pattern as far as wrapping up the investigation. Um, but um, his law, Frank Haith's lawyer told me that he was informed last October that he would not be charged with anything. Uh, the NCAA enforcement committee had wrapped up its investigation of him. So it, it comes down to... Um, you know, the only the only coach that's going to be named in this investigation apparently is going to be Fuller for providing the phone number to uh, Jakeena Gant's mom. And then obviously you've got some boosters involved. Um, but the buck stops with the head coach. And, and that's where, you know, when you look at what happened with Frank Haith at the University of Miami and the circumstances under which he left that program. And then when you look at now, a similar thing, similar situation, not nearly as bad as Miami, let's be clear about that, but similar situation with some violations in the program as he exits Missouri, you can see a pattern established there. And so I think it's fair to criticize Frank for some of that, um, you know, because he he ultimately is responsible for what goes on in his program. Right. If he Look, if he if he knew and, and covered it up, that's, you know, that's that's obviously a terrible thing. If he didn't know, um, you know, if, if, if his if his you know, charge to Fuller was go get this done and don't let me know about it. Don't tell me. Well, then that's that's irresponsible. That's unethical as, as well. too. Yeah. Un- un- unethical. The um, uh, in the Miami case, uh, Haith was uh, um, found to have uh, failure to monitor by the NCAA and served a five, five game suspension. Yeah, he missed the first five. And Fuller actually was yeah. the stood in as coach and went five and zero oh in those the. Games. Um, he did. And in the information Missouri released yesterday, um, th- there was a failure. Or was it? Well, I don't believe it was failure to monitor, but it was it was it was issued to the university or to yeah, the athletic it, department, it was not that, to a specific person. Correct, and that's yeah. where you know, in terms of the internship, that's what they were yeah, saying. That, yeah, and that's they, where they, they failed to vet whether those things were real. Yeah, right. honestly, I, I think right now the, the the most critical violation centers around Missouri compliance. Really, I mean, because um, you know Tim Fuller's you know, providing the phone number, it's an NCAA violation, but it's a secondary one. They would not have faced a postseason ban or any of that stuff had that been the only thing uncovered in this investigation. The internships are really what it centers on. And so the, the crux of the NCAA charge is that Missouri's compliance department was negligent in monitoring. monitoring that right. that in, internship program. And so, um, so that, I mean, I understand why Frank Hayes, the attorney, obviously he's going to stick up for his client, but... Um, I do understand why he was um, was unhappy that that Frank kind of became the center of this firestorm, and and so much of the ire was directed at him from the fans. When really the NCAA is saying that it was Missouri compliance that didn't do its job. Now you could argue that Missouri compliance shouldn't have had to do its job if Frank had done his, 
But, I mean, ultimately, they're, they're kind of, the NCAA is kind of laying this at the feet of Missouri's compliance department, um, you know, in terms of ultimately the sanctions that they're facing. I'll agree with that. How, how does a, you know, how does a university, uh, an athletic department, not know, you know, or, or not have a fuller understanding of the internships of some of its higher profile athletes? That's, you know, I've, I've had some, I've had some experience with this and, um, uh, and, and the school that I, I guess, most familiar with in this, in my particular case, knew everything about, you know, summer, you know, the, the summer uh, activities of, you know, of the athletes, knew, knew um, uh, you know, where they worked, how much money they made. They had to fill in timesheets where they, you know, when and where they worked. And uh, that's, that's stunning to me that uh, for, especially for high profile athletes, that, uh, that that Missouri or any any major Power Five conference school would not know more about this than than what Missouri knew. Yeah, it was what six eight years ago, uh, Oklahoma football had a similar scandal. Yeah, um, and, and that Oklahoma didn't discover. That was yeah. discovered. Remember, that was Red Bomar, the quarterback, who who ended up having to. You know, they got booted out of school because it was found that he had. You know, basically had the same thing. He did did worked uh, was on the payroll for a for a car dealership in Norman, and uh, and didn't show up and was yeah. paid for it. And when Oklahoma found out through, by the way, a rival's message board site, that's how OU found out about it, uh, which is inexcusable. But um, but yeah, that's when that's when they cut ties with Brett Bomar as well. So, you know, in the in the bigger picture here, well, let's before we get to that, let's. Let me ask you what you think, because I, I have some thoughts, too, about short-term, long-term impact of something like this. I think in the short term, this it, it was it's a bad publicity day, but in terms of just practical application here, I, I don't think it really harms Missouri. Um, they weren't going to the postseason this year anyway. You can operate down one scholarship as a as a practical function of, of the basketball. I, I don't think this is a damaging uh, episode for Missouri, I think for perception it is, and 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 only because it comes on the heels of just other perception issues and 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 incidents and moments and uh, and it's just been it's been a bad year for Missouri. Yeah, and, and I think that's why Missouri went to great pains to paint this as something that happened under Frank Haith and under Mike Alden because. Um, you know, I, I, they want to turn the page. Mac Rhodes and Kim Anderson and, and the entire athletic department want to turn the page. You know, they're, they're tired of being in the headlines for Derek Washington and Sasha Minyukori, um and and player boycotts and, you know, you name it. I mean, the list goes on and on. Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, stop me when you've heard enough, Missouri fans. Um, you know, so, yeah, they, they, they want to get out from under the shell. I, I, I agree, though. I, I mean, look. I think Missouri's issue with basketball now, it is last year people were angry that the program was so bad. This year people stopped caring. I mean, they're, they're getting 6,600 people, you know, to Saturday conference games, uh, you know, that they win against Auburn, you know. Um, you know, I mean, people don't care about this program right now. So, you know, most of this was greeted with, with you know, snark and laughter, which you kind of expect on social media anyway. But – um, you know, that's pretty much how the last two seasons have been greeted. So, um, you know, it it's a blow, sure, to Missouri. But, I mean, it's kind of like kicking a puppy when it was, you know, right. you know, when it was already, you know, already missing a leg and, you know, blind in one eye. Because, 
um, you know, the program was already pretty well beat up, uh, you know, by the time, you know, Wednesday happened. So um, it's not an unrecoverable circumstance for sure, um, you know, but it certainly doesn't help this program, you know, it, it regain whatever stature it once had. Well, I think we can, I think we could say that it's, if it hasn't bottomed out in terms of on, you know, on court performance. Dear God, I hope it's bottomed out, Blair. It has, you know, it's, to, to you know, to follow the 15-point victory over Auburn, which I thought was a good sign, with what they put out on the floor. Oh, uh, that's a, that's the second worst home defeat in Missouri history, losing to Arkansas by 33. That was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how poorly they played in that game and how disinterested they 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 seemed to be. And I, I was, you know, I, I was, um, uh, you know, it, it's no secret. I mean, I've known Kim Anderson for you know guys who are sort of who've been in the media in Kansas City for, for a long time, like I have. We, we've known Kim Anderson for a long, long time. You know, we, we, you know he, he's a likable guy. We, 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 always, we were so happy for him when he got the job. Absolutely. We weren't 100% sure you know, he was the right guy, but just happy that he got the job. Um, and it didn't start out well for him. First year, I, I think they underperformed, underachieved, and then this year's off to such a bad start. I'm thinking he may not last, he may not last past his second year. Well, Yesterday kind of changed changed my opinion a little bit about that. Maybe I I, th- I think if there's a winner in this situation in, in the court of public opinion, it certainly was Kim Anderson because I think that there was a lot of uh, groundswell, especially after the way they played against Arkansas. I mean, bear in mind the last time that Missouri lost by 33 at home, Wilt Chamberlain scored 32 for Kansas in a game in 1957. I mean, we're talking six decades. I mean, there, there aren't many boosters from Missouri who can actually claim to have been alive the last time Missouri played that poorly in a home game. Um, so there was a lot of people that, that, were, that have been kind of last and straw, were. Last straw for some, maybe? Absolutely, calling for, for Kim Anderson's head, just, you know, a vote of no confidence. I think now people felt a little more sympathy knowing that literally since two weeks before he took the job <clears> – <throat> This program's been under a cloud that we didn't realize they were under before. And he and look, he didn't know it. Um, and how fair was that? To, how fair was that for Kim to not be told about this when by Mike Alden when um, when he was being interviewed and, and considering the job? Look, he he said it yesterday or at his news conference. He was going to take the job. He, yeah. Even if he even if all of this was laid out before him, he's not going to not take the job. He's not going to go. He's not going to. You know, continue to coach at Central Missouri, not coach his alma mater because of this. But I, I think that the uh, he should have known. And and I don't buy this uh, you know, this this idea that the school was told by the NCAA that, it, that that they shouldn't tell him or they didn't have permission to tell him or any of any of the candidates for the job at the time. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not buying that. I I, I just. You know, it would have been the right thing to do, the fair thing to do, to lay out the conditions of the, you know, of the program to the guy who you're going to hand the keys to the program to. Yeah, no, that absolutely wasn't fair. And you could kind of tell by by Kim's answer and the way he said um, no that he was not happy that he had not been informed about it. And, and I agree. It's hard for me to believe that the NCA would have said you don't have permission to tell a prospective coach that he might be walking into. A ticking time bomb. Yeah, what is that? I've never heard that. I, I don't. What is that? I've had people tell me that that is a is a specious claim. Um, that the NCA would have told Missouri, you don't have permission to tell a coach this. Now, Mac Rhodes, a year later, was told um, when he was uh, taking, you know, interviewing for the job. He wasn't privy to the details, 
but he was made aware that the men's basketball program was under investigation when he was weighing whether or not to take the job. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that changes much. I think it's just another little kind of tweak at Missouri and, and, and the way things were handled that, the, that last, those last couple of years under Mike Alden, um, I'll put it this way. I'm not sure that Mac Rhodes would have made the same decision, even if he technically didn't have permission. Um, I got the impression that, that, that Mac would have wanted his coaches to be fully informed. Right. All right, I, let me, I got a couple questions for you covering Missouri. Do you think Kim Anderson would have kept Tim Fuller on his staff um, if he had known? All, I mean, what, what was – do we, do we know more about why Kim kept Tim Fuller on the staff? Well, yeah. I, 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 look, I mean, Tim would, had been the lead recruiter on Jakeen and Gant. Um, he was the only guy that was being considered to, to be held over. And at the time, the thinking was that holding on to Jakeen and Gant and Naaman Wright, who, of course, had the option to ask out of their national letter of intent that they had signed in November after Frank left, there was a thinking that holding on to those two kids was going to be important uh, for Kim. Now, as it turned out, neither one of those guys has been nearly the impact player you thought or hoped they might be. But... I think there was a lot of pressure from boosters and maybe even from within the athletic department for Kim to hang on to Tim, not only because of the recruiting aspect, not only because he had some familiarity with the program, but also because when you look at the way Tim's staff was constructed, keep bringing Brad Luce with them and bringing Rob Fulford on, um, they didn't have anybody with Division One experience other than Tim Fuller on that first-year staff, and that was important. I mean, you can you can make a case that um, you know, the staff, I mean, they've added Steve Shields this year, uh, you know, who had some Division One experience at, at, I believe, Arkansas Little Rock. Um, but you can make a case that that's been one of the deficiencies the last couple of years of the Kim Anderson era is that he, he and his staff, you know, they didn't have a guy, uh, you know, that was familiar with Division One basketball. And so, you know, they were kind of treading water and maybe in over their heads a little bit, right. um, you know, because of that. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I think that's some of the reason that he was kept over. I don't want to say he was forced down Kim Anderson's throat, but I, I, I think it was strongly suggested that that Tim Fuller be retained. So. Okay, we know Fuller now is at um, it's a it's NA, Harris Stowe, it, which is yeah. an NAIA school in in uh, St. Louis. Working, I, I think when he got the job, it was described as assistant to the athletic director or something like that, helping or, helping yeah, special consultant to the president. I, I can't remember the exact yeah, job yeah. title. So, but but he's no longer associated with Mizzou and. Uh, uh, and we'll see whether if he decides to get back into in, into Division One basketball or not, or, or if if, uh, if the violations follow him back into coaching, if that's where he decides to go. You know, Missouri basketball uh, over the last well, let's just say since uh, since Norm Stewart was uh, w- when it was strongly suggested to Norm Stewart that he retire after the '99 season, has been um, a you know, almost two decades worth of a uh, lot of news. A couple of really great seasons, highlight type seasons, fantastic seasons. A couple of elite eights, and then the the Frank Haith first team that uh, that thirty and five team that was just that won the Big Twelve tournament. It's last year in the league, um, but it's also had its share of uh, of you know just awkward and and um, are, are you referring to the Quinn Snyder situation? Oh, or there, you, there were or Ricky Clemens or <laughs> or Paige Arena or you know, there's just been so many or or and, and then not not even uh, you know ones that that that, uh, that that skirted the rules just things like you know negotiating with uh, with Mike Anderson yeah. after every you know it seemingly seemingly after every season and 
Um, and, and then the, the Matt Painter interview and that blew up in, in Missouri's face. So I, I guess it's a long way of me saying there's been one there was one athletic director who was you know who oversaw all of that. And, um, you know, we've touched on Mike Alden a little bit earlier. I give Mike Alden all sorts of credit for uh, shepherding a football program that, that went to great heights uh, in, in, you know, in the Big 12 and then, you know, in the SEC to, to win two division cha- championships in the first three years in the SEC is phenomenal. You know, taking care of Gary Pinkle, recognizing, you know, you know Gary Pinkle as, as a terrific coach and extending him. But Mike's basketball record – not so much. Like I said, there there have been some great seasons for Missouri, and I, I think what what saddens me about the whole thing is, as long as I've been in Kansas City, I mean, I know that men's basketball means a lot to Missouri. It's yes. his, it's been historically strong, even though they don't haven't have a final they don't have a Final Four appearance. It's been important to Missouri. We've all been over to the Hearn Center and in the, in the, when the, when that place was rocking, and even the early years of Mizzou Arena, Kansas games and everything, and. What, what's the comment to be made about Missouri's, you know, troubled basketball, you know, past two decades? I, that, you know, and, and the comment, I think, is, you know, uh, to, to, to Mike Alden. What, what can we say about Mizzou basketball? Uh, well, it's a mess. It's a, it's a, it's a general, I know it's a general uh, question. It, it, it's a mess, and it's been at times an embarrassment. And, and like I said earlier, I, I think what has to be most alarming is, you know, you talk about, the Norm Stewart years, and when you mention Anthony Peeler or Derek Chivas or or guys like that, Missouri fans still light up to this day. You know Kelly Th- Kelly Thames. Yeah, I love that team. You know, I mean, you mentioned that era, and, and and guys light up. I mean, people remember Melvin Booker fondly. I mean, when he came back, you know, when they had, you know, with, with I mean, even when he was there when Devin Booker was playing a couple years ago with Kentucky, he was received warmly. You know, I mean. That, that team that went undefeated in, the, I think it was the last year, the Big Eight, yeah. where they honored them at the return to the Hearns a couple years ago. Tremendous atmosphere, lots of out, uh, love. I mean, so much of that's gone now. And I don't, it's not that I don't think it can recover. I think this is kind of a situation like the Royals went through, you know, a decade ago when they'd just been so bad for so long, people quit caring because, you know, when, when you're emotionally invested in something and – and it never rewards you in any way, you you stop caring, you know, because you, you as a fan, you want to kind of protect yourself. I think that's where Missouri's at. I mean, I, I think there are some people who feel like they've been so scarred by this program, they've pulled back because they're, they're trying to protect their emotional well-being right now. I, I like how you put that. But I, I think the, the place to go in this is the circumstances that surrounded each of the hires that, that Alden make. And you know, he, he hires Quinn Snyder over Bill Self uh, in, in, in 99. And at the time, look, Quinn Snyder was the, you know, he the Duke was coming off a, an appearance in the national championship game. Mike Krzyzewski was allowing Quinn Snyder to do the walk-off interviews at halftime. That's how much they were kind of pushing Snyder from the nest. I, I, and, 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 and Bill Self had only, it was his second year at Tulsa. He didn't even have his first, his 30-5 and five year, Elite Eight year at Tulsa. So that decision made sense at the time. Yeah, and and look, I mean, I, to a degree, it's been vindicated by the fact that Quinn's now coaching in the, the NBA. NBA. I mean, the guy can coach. he clearly is a good coach. He's a guy, he was too young, and I think he was in over his head, and, and they didn't have anybody in place to help mentor him. You know, they threw a pile of cash at a young guy, and he made some terrible decisions, and it blew up in Mike Alden's face. But I agree. I don't I, – I, 
to to argue that that was a terrible hire is revisionist history. Right. Okay. So that brings us to you know. And so Mike Anderson was a hot name. I, so I, from UAB, he had just beaten. If, I, if memory serves me, he had beaten Kentucky, a top you know top seed of Kentucky in the NCAA tournament the year before or, or that year. So he right right he was a hot name. But I also remember the day. The day that Mike Anderson's named the head basketball coach is also the same day Mike Alden didn't lose his job at Missouri. That was that Sunday in Columbia where, you know, the board of curators were meeting to whether whether even to you know to retain Mike Alden because that was the in the midst of Clemens and and you know the arena fiasco and and, the, and Quinn Snyder firing the Gary Link you know go fire Quinn. I mean Linker. it was just such a you know such a fiasco at the time. But they get the right guy, I think. Yeah, it, it takes Mike Anderson a few years to get going. I mean, he's not in the tournament his first three years, but that fourth year was fantastic. That was the Elite Eight team that lost to UConn uh, with a mm-hmm. chance to go to the Final Four. Follows it up with an NCAA tournament appearance. But after you know his last three years, there's always a job you know that he's flirting with, Mike Anderson. Yeah. So it's always uncomfortable at the end of the year. Who's Mike Anderson going to talk to now? And, and a point that I heard made earlier that I, I wonder about is if Missouri had committed to Mike Anderson as, okay, you're our coach forever. We're going to match any, you know, anything that Oregon or Georgia or Arkansas might offer you. You know, if they had identified him as their coach forever, you know, maybe none of this happens. But but maybe Arkansas was the one job that, that Mike Anderson wanted. Yeah. Really it, wanted. It, look, I mean, you can make a very strong case that Mike Anderson is the second best coach in Missouri history. I mean, Norm Stewart's obviously number one and I think always will be. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I think Mike Anderson's probably number two on that list. And you're right. I think if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be Arkansas. Um, you know, but that relationship just got too strained. And that's another – I mean – that happened at times under Alden. I mean, even when you think about Gary Pinkle, I mean, he was pretty unhappy after they won the SEC, uh, the first SEC East title, with how much he had to fight and claw to get more money for his assistance and things like. There was there was some strain there too at times, um, even as as fondly as as you know that era of Missouri football is remembered. So. Um, Look, and then when you talk about what happened with Matt Painter and really having right. no backup plan. Right. Well, that brings us to the next hire. You know, Mike Anderson leaves, and so so now they put their eggs in the Matt Painter basket, uh, the Purdue coach who had, exp- you know, basically had kind of told people he's interested in the Missouri job. And my sense was, I don't remember what your memory is, but my sense was Painter was really, you know, open to the idea of coaching Missouri. He wanted to be able to tell his go back to the interview happened, I think, in Florida for whatever, I, I think Orlando or something. He wanted to go back and tell his team or his in his, his boss that he, you know, he's seriously considering the Missouri job. But word got out that he was talking to Missouri, and that kind of spooked him off of it. Uh, Matt Painter stays at Purdue, and Missouri doesn't have a great backup plan. There's no good yeah. number two, and that's how. You end up with Frank Haith. Frank Haith, who was in trouble at Miami at the time, who had a you know twenty games under five hundred ACC games in his uh, you know in his Miami tenure, had been to one NCAA tournament in six years. I just remember that press conference. With, people were angry at the press conference. I thought Haith did a good job of kind of soothing the anger a little bit, but people were angry that they had hired Frank Haith. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember that that was the one where I think the reaction was. Are, what are you this, kidding me? This like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the quote that Mike DeArmond got the night that uh, the story broke that it was going to be Haith, and I I'm paraf- I'll have to go back in the library and look it up. But it was an anonymous it was anonymous source, but the quote was something to the effect of, 
yeah, it really is going to be him or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like yes, I know what you're talking about. Like, you're, you know, Frank Haith. Yes, yes, it really is going to be Frank Haith. Yeah. So, so, and then uh, they have the glorious first season. Yeah, he's Frank national Haith. coach it's, of the year. It's, yeah, it's it's the Deadman Dixon English. It was a great great team with a great run, and they capped it with by. By beating uh, Baylor in the you know in, in the uh, at Sprint Center for the Big Twelve Championship that year, the SEC chance breakout, I remember it was. Yeah. Uh, they, they put, I think Kim goes out in the on, on the Grand Avenue wearing an SEC T-shirt. Anyway, it was a great great moment. Right just, up until Norfolk State, right? <laughs> that's right. And then a week later yeah. in Omaha, that happened. Uh, but you're right, and and uh, I think like he and Haith and Self kind of split the National Coach of the Year awards that year. Uh, they go back to the NCAA tournament in, in 2013 because Pressy takes over, becomes the sort of the go-to guy on that team. Um, but but then the then the, the it's the transfer you. Then the, it's the only way you can get it done is with transfers, and that's how they get Jabari and Jordan Clark, Jabari Brown and Jordan Clark and Ernest Rost and Keon Bell. Is it uh, Keon? Yeah, yeah Bell, uh, and so on and so forth. And Tony Criswell. And Tony Criswell. <laughs> the only way he, he's not getting it done recruiting the high schools. He's got to get it done with the junior colleges, and that damages things in a couple of ways. We know now, you know, first of all, we we, we you know we think few of these players were involved in the in the violations that just occurred, but it totally leaves the cupboard bare for when Frank Haith leaves for Tulsa. What is Kim Anderson left with? What does he inherit when he gets there? Well, Jonathan Williams III, you know, was there, and then you had West Clark, Ryan Rosberg, and and not much else, and. Uh, look, Jonathan and Wes and even Ryan are, are Division One players. I mean, you can make fun of Rosberg if you want, but a lot of teams would be happy to have a six foot ten kid of Ryan Rosberg's character on the bench. You know, Ryan was miscast at times, having to be a starter and, and being asked to try to shoulder uh, more of the load than I think he's capable of. But Ryan's fine as a role player, um, you know, and, and certainly has the size and the the basketball IQ to, to be on a Division One roster. Anybody anybody who argues that is just is just being obtuse. Um, but look, I mean, Jonathan Williams the third, West Clark, and even if you want to include Naaman Wright and Jakeen and Gant, since Frank Haith had, had recruited those guys, um, that's not an NCAA tournament roster that he left behind. And then when you also factor in the timing of his decision to leave Tulsa, it did not give Kim Anderson any chance to recruit that first year um, and bring in any impact players. Um, you know, they, they brought in some guys. I mean, Tremaine Isabel and, uh, you know, and D'Angelo Allen and guys like that. But certainly you're not getting any game-changing players in May and June uh, when you're talking about basketball recruiting. And then, you know, and then some of the guys that were left behind, quite frankly, were, were turds. Um, you know, I mean, Zach Price had left right before, um, you know, right before, I mean, right. you know, Zach Price, who gets arrested like four times in six minutes uh, by Columbia police at one stretch, you know, he left right before Frank did. But I mean, you think about Torn Jones, who had to be kicked off the team, um, you know, and, and Cam Beadshide, who things didn't work out with. And, um, you know, they brought in Keith Schamberger. Um, you know, Kim Anderson staff did late in the recruiting process, a, a transfer from Hawaii, and he did all right last year. But, you know, again, it was, you know, they were kind of up against it in terms of putting together a roster last year. It didn't come together. It didn't gel well. Um, you know, you, you end up with Jakeenan being suspended nine games uh, for, you know, his role in, in these violations that were announced Wednesday. That sets back his development. He's never really recovered from that, um, you know, and then, you know, I, I, if you look at Missouri's roster right now, 
you know, obviously, and then Jonathan Williams the third leaving, uh, right, you know, right. was a blow. Um, and, and that might be the biggest failing of Kim Anderson's tenure so far was not being able to keep his best player happy and on the roster. Um, but you can also make a case that, that Jonathan was a big part of why they struggled last year because it didn't appear in a lot of games like he was fully invested in the offense. Um, it, 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 the ball tended to stop with him. Um, there were complaints that you know he didn't feel like he was enough of a focal point of the offense, even though he led Missouri in field goal attempts by a fairly wide margin too. Um, you know, so he was unhappy, and and obviously you don't want to lose your most talented player. But I don't know that. I mean, this team's not thirteen and three magically if Jonathan Williams the third is right. on it this year. They're better, but they're still not a tournament team this year, even with J three. Um, so if you look at the roster right now, I mean, Wes Clark is one of the better players on the team. But the other guys that I think you would say are the best players on this team are Kevin Purrier, KJ Walton, and Phillips. Terrence Phillips. Yep. And those are three of the four freshmen that were brought in this year. And, and I think one of the other guys that's pushing into that group right now might be Russell Woods, who's another guy that he's a Juco transfer, but he's another guy that Kim Anderson brought in. So um, aside from Wes Clark, most of the talent on this roster was brought there by Kim Anderson. Well, and that as, as we wind this down, that's, you know, the, the uh, I think the, the going forward, I, I said a lot you know, earlier in this that, you know, the sh- I don't think the short-term impact is going to damage Missouri much at all. It's, it's what happens, you know, next year, year after year after. And to be honest with you, because – the, uh, the 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 talent on this team seems to be coming, or, or the the production of this team seems to be coming from, you know, the younger players, especially the, the freshmen. Um, if if they stick around uh, and, and and develop here, I, I see if if Missouri is going to succeed, if the Kim Anderson regime is going to succeed, it's going to succeed because players who are juniors and seniors have been playing for a long time in this program. They're going to win. The way you know, there's only a handful of, of 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 programs in the country that win with freshmen. You know, that basically have the best freshmen in the country, and they're the best basketball amateur basketball players in the country, and they go out and win. Kentucky last year, you know, Kansas, you know, Duke last year. Um, Missouri's not that. Missouri no. Missouri has to win because it's seniors, because a couple of its seniors and juniors maybe you know you think about them as potential all conference type guys. Uh, you know, having those types of seasons, and I th- and I think that's that this year is the start of that perhaps for Kim Anderson if if Kim Anderson continues to be the coach because I do think the one thing Missouri that could damage Missouri even further is to change over the coach again and bring in the fourth coach in what would be six or seven years for for the program. Look, I think it comes down to a very simple question for Mac Rhodes. I think you have to look at the state of the program now and you have to say. Can Kim Anderson turn this around? Is Kim Anderson the guy to get us back two years from now to the NCAA tournament? If you think that giving Kim two more years gets the program back on solid footing, then you consider sticking with him. If you don't think that given two or three more years, Kim Anderson is the right guy to make this program respectable again, then I think you you cut ties now and and you go ahead and like bite the bullet and start that rebuilding process as soon as possible because if you don't if you're not convinced that Kim can do that you need to get someone in here that you think can and the sooner the better now 
with the NCAA investigation hanging over their head and presumably won't be completed until after, you know, the silly season for college coaches, you don't know how that might impact who they can get. And, of course, you can't talk about the future of Missouri basketball without at least mentioning the the, the prospect of Michael Porter, the the the, the, the hotshot uh, prospect from from Columbia, uh, and his you know in his decision, uh, will he will he end up as a Missouri Tiger? He's, he's certainly a you know a five star national guy, and uh, and Missouri would love to keep him at home, and his you know his presence in a in a Missouri Tigers uniform could 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 be a game changer for the program for. For Kim Anderson, well, that, that remains to be seen. But, uh, but yeah, hey, look, thanks for thanks for tuning in today to Sports Beat KC for for Todd Palmer and Chris Fickett. I am Blair Kirkoff. Look forward to our coverage of of the Missouri Tigers and college uh, sports in the print editions of the Kansas City Star online at KansasCity.com.